15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey guys, hello from Spa. So Kunal and I are really excited because we're here live reporting from Spa. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been seeing a lot of these stupid jokes about spa lately, you know, like spa for him and spa for her. And it's supposed to like show a picture of, you know, those fancy resort spas or something. <laughs> but for me, and I think everyone, if y'all tuning in, spa is the spa Franco Shams, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yes, we wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, for me, it's always been the spa Franco Shams, luckily. And hello everyone, it's actually good to be back after the summer break. Kunal, you know that's the exact same thing you said uh, for the Freddie and James Hunt episode. Welcome back from the summer break. <laughs> and that one was actually our returning episode after the summer break. So I think you should wish our viewers, listeners, something else. <laughs> well, you know, that episode in my mind was actually a short one. And this one's going to be like a long one or maybe a longer one, I hope, since we are actually back from the summer break. <laughs> yes, you know, actually I have all my points ready because we have so many things to talk about. Guys, we're so excited and here goes. So we're going to talk about Kimi Raikkonen's book and how popular it is already. Haas is already focusing on 2019 while Wikipedia is focusing on 2018. Interesting. So, Racing Point Force India. There's so many points to talk about there. I'm wondering how many points they can score in the second half of the season. And there is also just so much about Fernando Alonso. And we share the best of what we've heard in the paddock. And uh, we will also, of course, have the moments in time with Lucien towards the end of this episode. And given how historic the races at Spa have generally been... Uh, you know, we can trust Lucien to help you relive most of these races, I'm pretty sure. And we try and fix the remaining pieces of the driver silly season puzzle. And this is actually one in which Robert Kubica could finally get a drive mid-season. Yes, so guys, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom for your weekly dose of Formula One humour. And by now, you, you guys already know that we are available on pretty much every single audio streaming platform that's available on the internet. So, starting from my notes, uh, Kimi Raikkonen launched a book during the summer break. And Mithila was actually very unhappy that she needs to wait for some time for the English edition <laughs> to be out just yet. And by the way, a friend of mine from Finland, Petri, he said that the wait time for the book at the local library was 11,000 days. <laughs> By the way, Kunala secretly started learning Finnish so I can read the book quicker. <laughs> I think but... it's also available in Swedish. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever is easier. But you know, I wonder what is happening about the Finnish Grand Prix. We'd spoken a lot about it last year. And I really, really hope that it happens while Kimi Raikkonen is racing. And while we are living in Norway, I mean, it'll be sort of a home Grand Prix for both of Yay. us. 
Haas has said that they're not developing the 2018 car anymore and they're just going to focus on 2019. And I think that's a strategy that Force India, uh, you know, have employed in the past as well, especially in their early days as a team, you know, to start strong and then fade away as the other teams develop their cars through the season. So let's see if that's what happens to Haas as well. And I remember Force India actually ended up losing seventh place to Williams back in 2010. And I think this was the last race of the season in Abu Dhabi. Similar thing, start the season strong, don't develop the car too much till the end of the season and then see your rival score more points. Yeah. And by the way, it's now Racing Point Force India. Though I think this whole official name is not really going to matter to anyone. <laughs> it's just going to be Force India, just like it was even when it was officially called Sahara Force India. <laughs> I know, I used to be forced to be called... Uh, to call the team Sahara Force India, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but So, Racing Point Force India has no point or no points in the Constructors' Championship. And uh, the team has all but one Indian working for them, uh, you know, in their team in Silverstone. So, hello to you, Sarvesh. Yes, that's really cool. And, you know, something else, Kunal, very interesting. So, Force India scored their first points in Belgium in 2009. And now it's exactly nine years later and they're going to maybe score their first points again in Belgium. <laughs> it's that's, so funny. That's an interesting statistic. And I think McLaren would rejoice at being sixth in the World Constructors' Championship finally. So, they've uh, overtaken a team without actually needing to overtake them on track or in the Constructors' tables. <laughs> and like we know already from before, the Strolls have saved two Formula 1 teams in a span of, what, two, three years. Crazy. <laughs> well, Lawrence Stroll was actually off to buy Formula 1 and maybe this was in a bid to make his son... A world champion. <laughs> Maybe this was the only way. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, but I met with Esteban Ocon in the paddock and, you know, he's being really tight-lipped about his whereabouts for 2019. And that was actually the same for Lance Stroll as well. And, you know, all he said that was, you know, I have a contract with Williams right now. And especially when he was asked if he would finish the season at Williams... Yeah, I think all eyes are on Lance Troll for now. Uh, Kural, you know, by the way, I just remembered Wikipedia's post on the 2019 Formula 1 season. And this is damn interesting. It only shows seven teams. Ouch. And I wonder if uh, Wikipedia actually knows the future in that case. <laughs> they know a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> the teams that were missing, interestingly, were Williams, Force India and Haas. And I think Red Bull Racing was shown as using Renault engines because I remember seeing this post on our Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wikipedia has applied the inverse strategy from Haas. You know, they're working so hard on 2018 that they've pretty much ignored their stub for 2019. <laughs> yes. And so in the paddock at Spa, the big news is obviously Force India. And also the driver moves are making big news because everyone's waiting to know when Lance Stroll will announce his move to Force India. You know, it's hugely anticipated, <laughs> speculated, whatever. And you know, when that part of the domino effect is going to fall into place. Yes, the only part about the 2019 driver changes that I personally dislike is that the top three teams now have a driver pairing which may not allow us to see an inter-team inter rivalry. You know, it seems like this clear number one, number two status. Even the Red Bull Racing keeps denying it publicly. But 
each of the top three teams have a number two driver who is going to be, uh, you know, supporting the number one driver's title challenge. But I'll tell you what, Kunal, you know, the 2019 driver lineup, if it goes the way I am envisaging it, it could give Donald Trump a huge headache. <laughs> and I know that's a very scandalous statement, so I'm going to uh, elaborate a little bit. <laughs> so if Force India lets Sergio Perez go, and let's say he jumps to Haas, which is obviously an American team, Donald Trump might not like the fact that a Mexican is racing for an American-owned team. <laughs> And, you know, with Racing Point Force India now being all Canadian and Haas being all American, I just can't wait for that piece of rivalry to commence on track and maybe in social media as well. But anyway, I'm going to talk about Pierre Gasly. He said that he is happy to get the Red Bull Racing call up because he misses having the chance to win races. And I wonder if Red Bull Honda are going to be able to give Pierre Gasly the chance to win races next year as well, or at least. Yeah, but either way, Daniel Ricciardo's loss will be Pierre Gasly's gain, I guess. Yes, and I remember in the Thursday driver's press conference, you know, Daniel Ricciardo was all like me. I am the reason I left Red Bull Racing for Renault. I wanted change. I wanted a change in scenery. Red Bull did everything right. And it sounded like a good old breakup story to me, you know, where you take all the blame upon yourself. <laughs> but, you know, the weirdest thing, can you imagine... Daniel Ricciardo had already filmed a video with Red Bull Racing to announce his renewal. And this is like, it's so crazy, you know, those classic slip between the cup and lip stories for Red Bull Racing. <laughs> <laughs> but in this whole Red Bull Racing scenario, I'm actually pleased for Carlos Sainz Jr. And I'll tell you, being outside of the Red Bull camp might actually do his career well because... I think out there he was like that ignored third child that nobody wanted to really <laughs> care too much about. He was given up for adoption some time <laughs> ago. <laughs> so there are 12 seats left yet. I'm Kunal really excited to know who gets what. Well, I get this feeling that at least one or two drivers will end up making a massive compromise uh, to stay in Formula 1. And, you know, I feel that these drivers could be either a Romain Grosjean or an Esteban Ocon or even... Uh, Sergio Perez. And uh, this is how I see it. So Kimi Raikkonen stays on and Charles Leclerc moves to uh, Haas, in which case Haas will then have to let Romain Grosjean go. And this would then mean that an Antonio Giovinazzi get into, gets into Leclerc's uh, seat at Sauber, which is alongside Marcus Ericsson. And I don't know why Ericsson uh, is always still being retained, but of course I know why. And this would then mean that Romain Grosjean is uh, left in the lurch. And then if Force India decides to keep Perez, Ocon will have like a Williams to contend with mostly. And uh, this could then mean that Mercedes differ George Russell's progression by another year. So lots of things. Nobody knows what's going to happen, nor do I, but I'm just speculating and you know, <laughs> going on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, silly season, huh? But, you know, Kunal, after agreeing for uh, Esteban Ocon to McLaren and then snubbing them by agreeing with Renault, Toto Wolf has probably pissed off McLaren like crazy and I'm pretty sure that they won't want to take Ocon anymore. Are you starting with the what Toto Wolf said this week <laughs> section? Of... <laughs> it's like what he did this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually asked Esteban Ocon... Uh, if there was any chance he might not have a drive next year. And he said that he would be really disappointed if that actually came true. But I don't think Mercedes would 
actually allow that because yeah. you know with uh, with a chance to have Ocon in the works team in 2020 they would definitely want to see him racing in 2019 but uh, here's a hint that I think Esteban dropped he admitted that it would be better to drive for a slower team than not drive in Formula One at all and I really hope that doesn't come true for him. <laughs> well I'm, I'll be glad to see him on the grid for sure uh, I could have, you know, strangely enough, this podcast we've barely spoken about our championship contenders. So Lewis Hamilton was also at Spa, <laughs> though it doesn't seem like he was from our <laughs> podcast. And no, guys, he was not picking up plastic bottles and cleaning up because he did enough of that over summer, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and you know, obviously, while we're making fun of him, we're totally supporting his talk on mindful use of plastic. Very important. Yes, and in fact, if any one of you guys want to take Mithila out for a drink, uh, and if she orders a cocktail, just remember to instruct the bartender to not use a plastic straw. Else you and the bartender will definitely get a hearing. And I can <laughs> tell you this from experience. Kunal's been at the receiving end lately. <laughs> but I must highlight the different mindsets that we've seen in the paddock here in Spa. You know, there's Lewis Hamilton talking of saving the world. And on the other hand, there's Fernando Alonso talking of saving his motorsport career. So, And Lauren Stroll <laughs> talking of saving 400 jobs. Like, I'm sick of hearing that statistic. <laughs> well, it's a noble gesture, but thank you. Please don't keep repeating it. <laughs> yeah, we know. But, you know, it really seems that Lewis Hamilton wants his win at Spa from 2008 back from the FIA. Uh, he put up a post on Instagram and then obviously he went and deleted it later. But <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, at this moment, you know, especially at such moments, I don't really remember what happened back then. I just remember that he was disqualified and maybe that's why he wants the win back. But I'm pretty sure Lucien's moment in time section, which we'll play in the next few minutes, will have more on this. And uh, for some reason, every time we talk about Lewis Hamilton, I remember Snapchat and the Formula One partnership that was announced, I think, last year or year before last. And I'm yet to see even, you know, what actually happened to this partnership. <laughs> you know, it seems like ever since the partnership was announced, Hamilton stopped using Snapchat and now he only uses Instagram for his live videos. <laughs> Such a rebel, I tell you. <laughs> but also during the summer break, I read that someone was saying something really crazy that like uh, Formula One should make two pit stops mandatory. Such a weird thought. <laughs> well, if that's the case and, you know, we want to make things mandatory, uh, we could and should actually make it mandatory for teams other than Ferrari and Mercedes to win because these two teams just win all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, by the way, Alonso has said that McLaren has had only one proper upgrade to their car this year. You know, Ouch. now he's in that place where I think he's just going to go all out. <laughs> Nothing to lose anymore. And well, I know it's the unspoken and, you know, Alonso's been blaming Formula One for being boring and predictable. But his disappointment in 2018 has been with McLaren. And that's the reason why he is leaving Formula One. And you know, this whole banter that's been also going on between Alonso and Red Bull Racing about who approached who and how many times and all of that, it's so embarrassing. Like, it's just so cringeworthy. And I would say more so for Alonso because it just exposes that whole personality that everyone keeps talking about, you know, is that personality that everyone's so wary of when it comes to Fernando Alonso. Yes, and I was in uh, Lewis Hamilton's media session yesterday and 
uh, you know, he paid tribute to Alonso's career. He spoke of how two titles actually don't do justice to Alonso's talent. But he also mentioned how playing the game and being able to maneuver the game is as important as being talented. And that's pretty prophetic from uh, Lewis Hamilton. Okay, so enough about Fernando Alonso. I think that's all I've been hearing about in the paddock these days. <laughs> I am tired. So let's, let's just stay in the topic and talk about something else. Yes, so I think Honda is already starting to write press releases for Red Bull Racing because Helmut Marko said that Honda's capabilities and resources are unmatched. Yeah, <laughs> that's typical, but yeah. Ross Braun said that the success measurement for the new regulations would be the joining of new teams, which is all well and good. But what about working on the regulations to save the existing teams? I think that's the most important thing. Yes, but I, I must say that uh, we need to thank all of uh, Formula One because they did well to help save Force India, including their prize money earnings from the last few seasons. But I think uh, this is a reaction measure at best because, you know, we need to have uh, what Ross Braun said, that a cost cap is actually being worked upon to avoid a repeat of what actually happened at Force India. So we need to see more action so that Teams don't get into the same situation again and again. But, uh, well, that's how that's that's what it is. You know, Formula One takes so much time to put these things in place. From one billionaire to another, literally, that's what Force India story is about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I spoke to Andy Stevenson, you know, the team sporting director. And he's been around uh, with Force India since the Jordan era. So something like 30 years is what he's been around. I mean, ever since their Formula 3 operations. And uh, he said that such ownership changes are actually the standard. And, uh, you know, that he sees an ownership change for the team every 10 or 11 years. And that's actually true. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, let's just round things up a bit. It's time, guys, for our legendary What Toro Wolf Said This Week section. But obviously, he's not said that much this week, but still. <laughs> it means that he was the only one who's had a proper summer holiday. <laughs> I was going to say he was too busy negotiating a seat for Esteban Ocon, but yeah. <laughs> so, Toro Wolf said that Mercedes would rather go up in flames than be beaten by Ferrari. And Kunal, I wonder if that's actually what happened in Austria. <laughs> <laughs> well, this actually relates to what Lewis Hamilton said as well. He said that Mercedes uh, are going over the limit to compete with Ferrari. So, let's see what happens because... Both teams have new power units uh, or the upgraded power units uh, at Spa. And uh, I also believe that Spa and Monza are really crucial for Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel. They need to win both these races to reduce pressure in the championship. And of course, the points deficit, uh, you know, as the season nears a close as well. Oh, yeah. So at Spa, this is damn funny. If Lewis Hamilton, he finishes on the podium or something, Sergio Sirotkin will lose the mathematical chance of being crowned the world champion. <laughs> Heartbreaking. <laughs> and uh, at Spa, the driver merry-go-round is still actually going around. And this means that we could see Robert Kubica make a mid-season return to racing. And uh, like like we said before, there is a lot of talk. And let's see which way everyone ends up acting. 
but i think you know one thing is for sure that the 2018 formula 1 season is not just about having the fastest car you know it's about the perfect package in every single way so whether strategy or pit crews or upgrades speed reliability it's all about the finer margins i'd say yes yeah, so it is time now for predictions because after that we will move on to lucian's moments in time section and you know getting to the point I am going to pick Vettel, Raikkonen, and then whoever else for uh, you know the podium in Spa, and I think Ferrari will definitely nail it this weekend. They know how crucial it is. Honestly, I have a feeling that it will be Vettel too. Both Ferrari and Mercedes are obviously using upgraded engines, so I'm going to be eager to see if any of them have reliability issues. But I also feel that Valtteri Bottas starting at the back will hamper Mercedes' strategy with Hamilton, but. We shall see. Yes, so here we go. There, here is uh, moments in time with Lucien. A walk down the memory lanes as Lucien discusses some of the historic races at Spa. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today, we look back on some of the memorable moments of the Belgian Grand Prix of the past. 1986 was the first race after the death of Elio De Angelis. Nigel Mansell, a former teammate, duly won and dedicated the race to him. But it was Piquet on pole who led away from Senna, who caused a small commotion at the start, affecting a number of drivers, including Prost. And the little Frenchman would exact his revenge at the next race with one of the most aggressive moves ever seen by him. 2011. I nearly went to this race, but was glad afterwards that I didn't. Red Bull Racing disobeyed Pirelli guidelines regarding the camber and the pressures of the tyres, yet they still got a 1-2 while cheating technically, with Vettel and Webber coming first and second. But the pressure was just too much and Adrian Newey cried at the end of the race. 2008 gave us one of the best races we have seen with Kimi, who usually won there, battling with Hammy, but he crashed out. Lewis was penalized for cutting a chicane earlier in the race, and even though he won, he was stripped of that and sent back to third. Massa, who had not led the race, was given the win. 1998 saw the start crash to end all start crashes, with David Coulthard losing it and causing a monster crash involving 13 drivers. The race was stopped, restarted over an hour later, and Hakkinen spun, being collected by Herbert. Damon Hill had got to the front, but Schumacher passed him and built up a lead of over 30 seconds. While trying to pass a backmarker, ironically, Coulthard, Schumi tangled with him and came back to the pits on three wheels. Road rage, red mist, you name it. Schumi stormed to the McLaren pit to throttle DC, or was it all for show? Either way, it was so exciting, and Damon got the last win of his career and Jordan's first with a 1-2 to boot. Alain Prost won in 1983 and 87 as well. It was his 87 win that tied him with Jackie Stewart for the all-time record of 27 wins. 2014 gave us a chapter in the Hamilton Rosberg rivalry, with Nico just tagging Hamilton's rear tire after yet another severe closed-door technique from Hamilton. Lewis was out. Nico came second to the Honey Badger. But the Mercedes team publicly berated Nico and internally punished him in the team. And strangely, he began driving like a beginner after that. 1991 saw the arrival of Michael Schumacher in the beautiful green Jordan. What a track it turned out to be for him and his career. On debut, qualifying 8th or 7th depending on how you read it. 
and winning for the first time in 92. He also won in 2001 to overtake Alain Prost's record of 51 career wins. Schumacher won at Spa a record six times. Finally, 2012, where we saw Jensen Button as dominant as he has ever been, which was rare. He had a slightly different setup to Hamilton, and good old Lewis had to tweet a screenshot of private telemetry to prove to the world that Button had not beaten him on pace in qualifying. But the race was more famous for the start line crash, one which saw Grosjean apportioned all of the blame, which I still think is unfair. That's all for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. See you again. On that note, thank you so much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Lucien, as well. It's always lovely to have your Moments in Time section. Uh, We are at Spa, like you guys already know, and we will definitely have a lot of special content coming your way in the next few weeks. So remember to keep checking uh, the Inside Line F1 podcast wherever you subscribe to us on. Thank you and bye-bye.